0: I'm Jeff Rake, and we're exploring the drama and mystery of Manifest, episode 115.
1: Talk about why Griffin was chosen, or is he just a random aftershock?
0: Not a lot of randomness in Manifest. Uh, Griffin is certainly testing all good things in a big, bad way. Griffin, like Zeke, is a character that I pitched to the network all the way back at the beginning. I knew he was going to show up at the end of season one upend our mythology in a shocking way that makes the passengers question everything that's happening to them and question the choices that they're making, underscoring for them the importance of their agency in choosing whether or not to follow the callings. That's really why Griffin is back when you say, you know, why was he chosen? This is someone who chooses to use the callings for evil instead of good, as Ben and Michaela and Grace and others kind of put their fingers on. And Ben and Grace sum it up for us at the end of the episode when they're asking the question, why this guy? And uh, it makes them kind of turn the question of the callings upside down uh, when they say to each other, you know, maybe it's not about the callings themselves. Maybe it's about what we choose to do with the callings. And as Grace says at the end, when Ben asked the question, Perhaps the reason that Griffin is back is to make us realize that the colonies can be used for evil just as easily as it can for good. And then and then Grace, of course, comes back and says, and get away with it. And that's the open question that we leave the episode with. That's going to pay off in a, in a major way in a, in the next episode. But I would say, no, he is not just a random aftershock.
1: Sandvi believes that something awful is looming. How right or wrong is she to believe this?
0: Zombie's not wrong. The season is going to end in a somewhat dark place. What we're going to discover is that we're going to discover a bunch of things, but one of the things that we're going to discover uh, in the next episode is that the pressure and the stakes associated with whether or not people are following the callings is far larger and more specific than any of the passengers Realized Up until episode 15, the callings have been, for some, a nuisance for others, an opportunity to correct mistakes in the past, an opportunity to be a do-gooder. You know, they've been dramatic and suspenseful and often led to important things that have happened in episodes, but they haven't necessarily spoken in a larger sense to why everyone is back and how the callings are going to affect the rest of their lives, right? By the final episode, they're all going to realize that the callings speak very specifically to the rest of their lives and perhaps to how much time they have left. So Sonnevi, her spidey sense is kind of going off right now. And as she says, you know, on the verge of discovering something awful, different people who are experiencing the callings will interpret it in different ways when they kind of get the ultimate news about the ultimate meeting of Griffin's arrival and what it means for all of them. But, uh, you know, she's in the ballpark. It's not good.
1: Talk about what Jared and Zeke are going through in this episode.
0: We have to feel bad for Jared, I think. Maybe some people see things differently, but, you know, the poor guy, right? I mean, his fiance, the love of his life, dies. He spends two years mourning her loss. He picks up the pieces. He marries someone who, you know, he comes to love as well, who shares his grief. It makes perfect sense. There was a logic to him and Lourdes being together. They try to start a life together. Years go by. Michaela comes back. Jared is a good soldier, really from... Episode 102 and onward, maybe we judge him for being a little callous in the pilot episode, but by 102 and onward, he is totally Team Michaela, right? He's been there for her. He's been helping her. He lied on her behalf on more than one occasion. He almost lost his job because of her. Then he almost lost his life because of her in episode 109, right? So this guy has been the ultimate selfless partner to her. He loves her and he is trying to, you know, do the right thing and do whatever it takes to be with her. Then this other guy comes along, right? And so if you're Jared, you're like, what the hell, man? You know, really? So what is Jared thinking? Jared is thinking, this is bullshit. (laughs) I've done everything for Michaela and now she's off in the woods with some dude and not telling me about it. And then inviting this guy back to... Stay in her apartment and pushing me away. This is messed up, right? And so Jared's pissed. And that's obviously coming to a boiling point here in 15. Jared sees that this guy, Zeke, has been caught trying to break into a house. He seems like a bad guy, right? And so Jared is on the one hand, a little bit paranoid and certainly riled up and has reason for all of these things, as I just described. But at the same time, it's right there in front of him that this guy, Zeke, is lying or omitting the truth from the police. He won't tell the cops who he is. He's caught, you know, red-handed committing a crime. So Jared is thinking, I am the only one who can protect Michaela from herself, right? Because if you're Jared, you're thinking Michaela her head is not on straight or else she wouldn't be going all in with this guy who is clearly a criminal and is being deceptive. And, you know, he's good. He, Jared is going to do whatever it takes to protect Michaela. So that's what Jared's thinking. What's Zeke thinking? Well, you know, Zeke, you got to feel for Zeke also, right? That's the whole idea. That's why we tried to make it so gray, and messy. Zeke disappeared you know he for a year so he's had his own mini version of flight eight to eight. It's not his fault. He has his own personal baggage relating to his sister and his broken family. I, he is a good dude in you know my opinion, but Jared just doesn't know that yet. and so they each have a reason to think that the other person is in their business for no reason, right So the deck is stacked. These two guys, they both feel that they're in the right. They both feel that they have an important bond with Michaela. And neither of them are going to be prepared to stand down. And that's going to lead to an ugly climax in the next episode.
1: As Griffin walks free, Michaela hears a snarling wolf. Talk about that.
0: You know, the wolf calling at the end of the episode isn't Griffin's calling, it's Michaela's calling. And so for her, it's a premonition of, you know, bad things are afoot, right? But to answer the more fundamental question that I think you're also asking, why would a bad guy like Griffin have an opportunity to experience a calling to, you know, save people's lives? Well, that could be interpreted in any number of ways. On the one hand, you could say that it was a test to see if Griffin could change, right? It was a test to see that if Griffin would use his shot at redemption in a way that would be worthy of him being redeemed. So that's one prism through which we can look at Griffin's calling, right? That it was a choice for him to make. And it was an interesting one, right? Because on the one hand, as Griffin is going to tell Michaela at the top of the next episode, spoiler alert, He's going to say, you know, what are you talking about? I'm a hero. I saved all those people. What's the problem, right? But Michaela sees it differently, right? Because on the one hand, yes, he saved people. But on the other hand, he only did it when he was promised his freedom. He only came through in regard to the calling when he was able to get away with murder. There is an interpretation of that as a manipulative perversion of the calling. It is a demonstration to Ben and Michaela and others that the calling can be manipulated in a way that can be both helpful and selfish at the same time, which is perhaps the most accurate way to interpret what happened, right? But also the reason someone like Griffin experienced this calling was to teach... Ben and Michaela, Zeke, and anyone else who has ever experienced a calling that there may be profoundly negative consequences for those who exploit or abuse the calling. And that's another spoiler because that's coming up next.
1: Gemini, peacock, wolf, and a dragon. Talk about how these symbols relate to flight 828.
0: Well, they're all of a piece. And, you know, we've been Rolling them out for some time now. We we first experienced the Peacock back in, in 109. We saw the Petrograph in 113. We discovered in 114 the idea of Gemini. That's when we discovered the Wolf, and now we see Cal is. Building a dragon. Well, I'll say to everything but the dragon that these symbols have partly been employed by the writer's room because it was important to me that we not only experience and interpret callings through a Judeo Christian lens, all the way back in the pilot. We talk about the callings strictly through the context of Romans 8.28, and that, you know, suggested that there was something biblical, something New Testament going on here. And I've said throughout, it was always very important to me that the mythology of the show be interpretable, if that's a word, through not just a Judeo-Christian lens, but through a lens of any number of world religions And even if you don't subscribe to any religion, I want everybody to have a way in to interpret the mythology. So what I can say at this point is that the idea of the petrograph, the idea of the peacock, the idea of the wolf are all about using either ancient symbolism you know Roman culture other world religions who speak to some of this uh, symbolism in different ways to give everybody a way in Uh, as Olive says perhaps the Gemini is about the twins we're going to learn whether that is true in the next episode the peacock led us to Juno that kind of got us there so these are all of a piece right they're connective tissue getting us kind of from one link to the next in our mythology we talk about wolf being a predator. We talk about it as being a premonition of bad things to come. So, this is all building up to our finale. I've been asked here about the dragon as well. Right now, the dragon is simply a school project that Cal is working on. But one more spoiler alert for you we're going to discover that it's much more significant than that. And the, the significance of it uh, is also going to speak to a culture kind of outside of the Judeo Christian prism. So, uh, that's going to pay off in stark relief when we get to the finale.
1: Dr. Matthews seems nice, but can fans trust him?
0: He really does seem nice. No comment.
1: The van went into the river on Wednesday at 11.06 a.m. Is there any significance to that date and time?
0: There really is, but I can't talk about it.
1: What is the significance of May 3rd, 2004? The date of Griffin's friend's death.
0: Uh, I can't speak to the significance of that date, but you know there's significance to the death of his best friend, and uh, you know that connected him to Michaela, that connected him to Zeke. And as for uh, time will tell. I don't have an answer to that one as I sit here.
1: Is there anything else in this episode fans may have missed?
0: What else? Well, let's see. We talked about uh, the dragon. We talked about pretty much everything. The one thing that I'll tease about this episode is one scene that we cut from it because you didn't see it. We shot this really wonderful scene of Grace going back to Danny and breaking up with him all over again. She realizes that things are so solid in her relationship with her husband that she and Ben are back. And when we last Saw Danny all the way back in episode 110, things were left a little bit in the open with him just saying, You know, I will wait as long as it takes. And so she realized, at least in the first cut of this episode, that she didn't want him to wait anymore. She needed to let him off the hook and tell him to move on with his life. So we shot a great scene. Uh, Maybe we'll use it as a DVD extra someday. Maybe it'll show up as a flashback in season two. But the reason we wrote the scene and the reason we shot the scene is because we wanted to remind the audience that Grace has said goodbye to Danny and we wanted to remind the audience that Danny is still out there. Why? Because that too will matter. Hope you enjoyed the ride. Ready for the next and last chapter of season one of Manifest? There's more mystery coming your way.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Manifest, the official podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and please be sure to follow Manifest on socials, at NBC Manifest on all platforms.